following message is from Christian Life Austin. For more information about Christian Life, please visit clcaustin.com. Thank you for listening. I, I'm not going to hold you long. I really am not. I, uh, we're we're, we're going to be teaching Sunday, and uh, I'm excited about Sunday. I want you to bring somebody with you Sunday. I've got something that I need people to hear on Sunday, and I want you to bring people to the house of the Lord. We've got some beautiful things planned for you the rest of this month, and then November is going to absolutely just bless you mightily. We've got a five-part series coming in November and the first Sunday of December that just will absolutely bless you beyond measure, and you'll want to bring people to those sessions because it's going to be good. But tonight, we're going to talk about mind talk. Now, this will probably be the last of this because we're moving into something next Wednesday night that's very important. This will be the last of this, so I'm going to call it Mind Talk 2. <laughs> Mind Talk 2. Romans chapter 12 says, do not, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is. Everybody say, His good, pleasing, pleasing, and perfect will. You know, all three of those are remarkable. God doesn't have any bad stuff there. He's got good. He's got pleasing. He's got perfect. I just want to be in the will of God in my life. Amen. Turn to somebody and say, I'm going to help the pastor teach tonight, and you may be seated. If you're a first-time guest, we welcome you tonight. God bless you. We honor you tonight. It's a joy to have you in-house tonight. Everybody say, mind talk. There's an old adage that is as old as football itself that every football coach knows is the first truth you better learn about winning. The team that controls the line of scrimmage usually wins the game. The team that controls the line of scrimmage. Get a grip on this. The mind, our mind, is the line of scrimmage in your life. And whoever controls the line of scrimmage controls your life. I stated this last week. The reason for that is that the battle for your mind is taking place at this very moment right now. You could be listening to me and thinking of 14 other things that needs to be done or you didn't get done today. Or perhaps a fuss that you had with your kids or perhaps your husband didn't like dinner tonight. And you're still aggravated and you're thinking, well, he'll just have to get his own meal tomorrow. <laughs> and I'm trying to talk to you about your mind. Paul compares the mind to a castle. He says your mind is like a castle. It's like a stronghold. It's constantly under attack. There is a battle raging within your mind in which the only prisoner that can be taken is you. The devil wants to make your mind his spiritual headquarters. He wants to set up camp in your mind. You are the target and your mind is the bullseye. Now, now why would the devil be so interested in your mind? The answer is very simple. If he can control your mind, he controls you. Because the mind is the control center of who we are. I read a story years ago about a man they call the horse whisperer. Made a movie about him. His name is Monty Roberts. And he used to be able to talk to horses. Literally, he would talk in such a low voice, it was called the whisper. He could talk. They would bring him in to, to break the wildest horses on ranches. And 
he would put a he would put a, 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 a something around their neck and just lead them around in the barn area in the corral area and talk to them and rub their head and rub their nose and just talk to them and stop and speak to them and back them up and move them forward. And in less than 30 minutes, he could put a saddle on that horse that's never been ridden. He could put a 60, 70 pound child on that horse and that horse would never even try to buck that child off. Because he lived by this rule, he said, whatever rules your mind will ride your back. And that's what the Bible means when it says, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. You're not what you eat, but you are what you think. Heard about a lady that went to see a psychiatrist. She said, doctor, you got to help my husband. The doctor said, what's wrong with him? She said, well, he thinks he's a racehorse. And the doctor said, how do you know? She said, well, he wants to live in the stable. He walks around on his all fours. He even eats hay. And the doctor said, well, I'm sure I can cure him, but it'll take a long time. It'll probably take a whole lot of money. And the lady said, well, money is no object. He already has won two races. He said, sit down, dear. I need to deal with you too. You're really, (laughs) you really are what you think. Everybody say, I think myself happy. Yogi Berra once said about a game of baseball, he said, 90% of this game is half mental. The fact is, when it comes to spiritual warfare, 100% of the game is all mental. There's an old proverb that says, you sow a thought, you reap an act. You sow an act and you reap a habit. You sow a habit and you reap a character. You sow a character and you reap a destiny. I love that. But notice that the beginning link of the chain is the thought, is the thought. In other words, it's all about your mind. I'm going to tell you a story tonight to kind of start into what I want to teach. You've probably never heard of a man named Roger Babson. Probably never heard of him, even though he's a picture of success in this modern era. He was a brilliant mathematician and millionaire businessman that formed a financial analysis company just a few years after graduating from MIT. He was a sought-after columnist for popular magazines and newspapers, and he even foresaw the stock market crash of 1929 using an economic assessment technique that he had developed. But Babson's main obsession was gravity. It was gravity. When he was just a child, his sister drowned in a swimming pool accident, and he believed gravity was to blame. And he called gravity a dragon that came up and seized his sister. And decades later, his grandson also died tragically by drowning. And this incident seemingly led Babson to found the Gravity Research Foundation as a means of discovering scientific advantages and advancements to help mankind conquer the force of gravity. The man went all out and all in trying to defeat a force he called our enemy number one. That story, folks, bothers me. That bothers me. A person doesn't graduate from a brilliant university like MIT and then enjoy a successful career as a businessman by disconnecting themselves from reason and from reality. And yet, here was a man, Roger Babson, who was just like the rest of us in many ways, except in his obsession to defeat a fundamental force in our universe. What drove him to have such a disregard for reality, at least in this area? That's a question. Hurt? Pain? 
heartache from the loss of his sister and his grandson. So instead of accepting that life brings good and bad, Roger Babson allowed thoughts in his mind that drove him to some outlandish pursuits. I'm talking to you now. So our question tonight for the rest of our days is, what about you? Do you have Roger Babson-like thoughts occasionally in your mind? Is there things that are way out in left field and way out in right field and don't even make the ballpark sometime? Are they taking you away from things that are right and wholesome in your life and mind? Like a painful divorce may cause you to say, I'll never open my heart like that again. Or a business failure make you think, I don't have what it takes to be a success. Or maybe you feel somewhat satisfied in life that you face challenges in your thoughts, in your moods, in your emotions sometimes. Here's a question. Do you find yourself focusing on troubles around you? Do you lack real peace? I'm talking to you. Are you conflicted in most areas of your life? Do you have trouble seeing the good things and what's right in your life? Do you feel despair? Do you feel depression despite the apparent blessings that are around you? And I will declare that this church is a blessed church. It's a blessed church. Do you go so far as to blame gravity <laughs> or some other force for the hurt and pain in your life? Last question is a stretch, however. If you answered yes to one or most of these questions, then you may be experiencing what I call invaders of the mind. Your mind may have become the battleground like you didn't expect it to ever become. Mind invaders are those negative thoughts we all battle. The creeping shadows in the corners of our mind that feed our insecurities and our, our worries and our fears. The thoughts that lead us to irrational anger or undefined depression. I'm talking to you. There should not be irrational anger in anyone in this house tonight. Nor undefined depression just getting up and not having a good day because you just don't want to have a good day. Here's the good news today. With God's help. Invaders of the mind can be defeated. Say hallelujah to that. Say amen to that. You can't turn around and walk the other way. God wants to deliver you and give you the tools to consistently overcome these negative invaders in your mind. You're going to have to take an active role in three things. Everybody say recognizing. Everybody say rejecting. Everybody say replacing. Those thoughts you may be facing and feeling in your life right now. Everybody say recognize. recognize. Everybody say reject. reject. Everybody say replace. replace. Amen. Amen. Everybody say recognize. recognize. Say reject. reject. Say replace. replace. As well as restraining your mind from keeping them from returning. My thesis scripture that we'll focus on during this teaching tonight is found in 2 Corinthians. It says we demolish arguments. We demolish them and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient. We take captive of every thought. We arrest every thought and make it obedient to Jesus Christ. God, help me, help me, help me. No, it's time for you to put the handcuffs on those thoughts. Put them in captivity. God's given you a power in your life. He's given you a mind. He's given you a heart. He's given you a, a future. He's given you a present. 
One of the most potent ways to we take care of every thought, we take every thought captive and get rid of invaders of the mind is twofold. Number one, we build up our faith. Now let me talk about that. Leave it up, leave it up, leave it up. We build up our faith. Amen. We build up our faith. You hear me? Faith comes three ways. Everybody say, faith comes by hearing. And hearing by the word of God. I want you to lock in on what I'm about to teach on tonight because I'm fixing to teach on somebody in the Bible that's going to fit your character. Everybody say, faith comes by hearing. Hearing by the word of God. You ought to walk out of here every time you walk in here when somebody preaches what we're preaching about tonight and say, I'm not going to allow those things to take me captive. I'm going to take them captive. I'm going to let my faith be built because the word builds my faith. Amen. Amen. And the Bible said, we build up our most precious faith praying in the Holy Spirit. Some of you need to start praying. Some of you need to start casting. Some of you need to start talking and say, not today. I love a t-shirt that one of our sweet sisters wears. She's been wearing it a lot. And every time I said, I love it, she said, not today, Satan. You need to have that in your mouth and in your mind and on your body. You need to say, not today. Because when you start praying against some things in your life, you're building up your most precious faith. Praying in the Holy Spirit. And the third way faith grows is when it's tried. Everybody say, when it's tried. And when it's tried, it grows. Because from the point you're promised to the point it's delivered, that's your faith. And when it's delivered, your faith has grown. And you'll never be tested like that again. You'll be able to pass more tests. You go to the next grade. You go to the next class. You go, and all of a sudden you're in high school. And all of a sudden you're getting a college degree. And all of a sudden you're a doctor of faith. I'd like to declare there's some folks here pressing for their doctorship. Because nothing's going to take you away from the love of God. Nothing's going to challenge you in this life that you can't overcome. Nothing's going to come against you that you can't stand up to. It doesn't matter what it is. You're going to stand there and say, not today, not today. I'm going to live for God. So everybody say, by, by build up our faith. And the second thing is fill our mind with right things. That means not filling your mind with wrong things. Right things. You need some P48 in your life. Philippians 4 and 8. You need a P48 in your life. Amen. That's a, good, that's a good pill to take every night. A good pill to take every morning. You need a P48. I'm not going to quote it for you because I'm going to let you look it up. Oh, I got it, but I'm not going to quote it for you. I'm going to let you look it up. You need a P48 in your life. And you need to everything give thanks. You need a 1 Thessalonians 5 17 in your life. You need that in your life. You need something in your life that although hell comes with everything he can, you are not going to be, you're not going to be detained. You're going to demolish those arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And you're going to take that captive every thought and make it obedient to Christ. Amen. All right, let's, let's preach. What would I advise? You need to become proactive with these invaders that are plaguing you right now. Discover them. Destroy them and live the best possible life God has for you. Amen. God's got a great life for every one of you. Pastor, I have faith in Jesus and I love him and follow him. Why do I have these battles in my mind? Good question. I stated last week, the truth is that a person can be saved and on their way to heaven and still have battles in their mind. I had a dear friend. I had a dear friend of mine who was a mentor to me and he didn't even know it. Lived to be 93 years old. 
And at 88, at a camp one year in the summer, was preaching and talking to some young ministers. And in his 88th year, he said, in my 88th year, it was the most difficult year of my life. He said, it didn't win, but it was a difficult year. Because hell said, you're getting close to finishing. And I don't want you to finish first. And he said, I told hell, I'm going to finish first. You need to make up your mind, no matter if you're 48 or 88 or somewhere in between, or 28, that when this race is done, you're going to finish first. We all run the race and only one wins. And you're not racing against me and I'm not racing against you, but you race against your potential. And I don't want potential of what I could be winning the race that Rex in the flesh is going to win by himself. You hear me? I don't want potential winning the race. I want me to win this race. I don't want potential to win and what I could have been and what I should have been and what I should have done. I want to win this race beside myself. I want potential to be back here. I never thought you could do that good. Well, I did. I did. I did. And I finished. Hallelujah. I'm just kind of going crazy here. I'm sorry. When you live a successful and abundant Christian life, you must take a stand against negative, negative invaders in your mind. It's impossible to live a positive life with a negative mind. Invaders of the mind are nothing new. And I got in my notes, preach here. There's an Old Testament book called Judges. You can read about a man there named Gideon who had to conquer some mind invaders on his way to conquering the Midianites. Israel faced some unstable times. They socialized with other nations. They picked up some of their cultures and some of their beliefs and some of their habits. That's a problem. And lifestyles that went along with that, causing their allegiance to God to deteriorate. You cannot allow yourself to come into alliance with things in the world. This is just old-fashioned holiness preaching right now. If you, want, if you want to keep the mind invaders at bay, you don't need to be making allegiances and alliances with things out in the world. You need to keep your focus on Jesus Christ. Your lifestyle needs to show that you are a child of God. And then they became passive. Because when you make allegiances and when you make alliances, you become passive in your own walk. And the enemies took advantage of them and overpowered them. They were living in severe oppression. And for seven years, they were repeatedly invaded by the Midianites. And what would happen? They would plunder them, steal their harvest, their livestock. And it was a terrible time in the nation of Israel. Here's what would happen. Israel would go through all the planning and all the, and, and, and all the, all the, all the cultivating and all the, the uh, getting ready for the harvest. And when the harvest got ready... These Midianites would sweep in and, and take the harvest after they'd, they'd brought the grain in. They would come in and steal the grain. They didn't want to work. They didn't want to plant. They didn't want to harvest. They wanted to steal everybody else's harvest. And that's how hell wants to deal with you. Hell wants you to get real close to the blessing that God has for you and then come in and swipe it from you. Just Somebody want me to preach right now. I, I, I'm declaring something. If I, if, if I sweated my brow to plant that thing, and if I chopped the weeds out, and I saw the rain come, and I prayed for God to bless the crop, when it gets up and when I harvest it, I will not let hell take my crop. That's my crop. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. 
Quit being passive with hell. Judges 6 says this, and it's quite a lengthy reading. The angel of the Lord came and sat down under the oak tree in Ophrah that belonged to Joash the Abizrite, where his son Gideon was threshing wheat in a wine press to keep it from the Midianites. In other words, he was hiding and, 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 and threshing. When the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon, he said, The Lord is with you. Wow. Mighty warrior. He's hiding in a wine press. He's hiding in a cave. And the angel said, mighty warrior. Pardon me, my Lord, Gideon replied, but if the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? Where are all his wonders and that our ancestors told us about when they said, Do not, did not the Lord bring us up out of Egypt, but now the Lord has abandoned us and given us to the hand of Midian. And the Lord turned, and the Lord turned to him and said, Go in the strength that you have, and save Israel out of Midian's hand. Am I not sending you? Pardon me, my Lord, Gideon replied, but how can I save Israel? My clan is the weakest in Manasseh. In other words, we're the weaklings. Everybody picks on us. And I'm the least in my family. Oh, I got some people like that in this church, and you got to change your address. It's time to change your location. You got to get this. The Lord answered, I will be with you, and you will strike down all the Midianites, leaving none alive. Now, let me fast forward and just tell you how, that, how it all happened. Gideon had an army of 32,000. And he said, All you that are fearful, go home. And 22,000 went home. <laughs> he had a great Sunday morning crowd, but then the Wednesday night crowd got real small. And then he said, the Lord said, I'm not through. He said, take them down and give them the water test. And so he took them down to see how they drank. And, and if they drank like this and they drank with their hand and looked for the enemy, he said, keep them. If they did this number, he said, send them home. Because they're not aware of what's around them. Another 9,700 went home. He left with 300 men. Boy, this thing was big when it started out. But it, got, it shrunk. But the Bible said, he told them, he said, put pitchers in their hands and Put lamps in those pictures and put a trumpet in their hand. And, and, and when, they, when, you say, when you say the sword of the Lord in Gideon, let them break those pictures and let them blow the horns. And 300 men broke pictures and blew horns. And the Midianites discomfited themselves. Now that's how the story ends. But I want to teach now. First of all, in verse 12, the angel calls Gideon a mighty warrior. I don't care where you're hiding. I don't care what you're, what, where, you're, where you're trying to escape all this stuff. The King James Version calls him a mighty man of valor, of courage and strength. He says this is this to an oppressed slave, a farmer who is obviously discouraged about his life. God sees him different than his current condition, and he sees him different than he sees himself. So listen to me. I don't know where you are in your current condition. I had a precious lady walk up to me and said, Pastor, I remember the one of the first times I came here. said, I asked you to pray for me for a job. said, I got a brand new job, a great job. I'm telling you, I don't care if you're out of a job, you're out of family, you're out of finance. It doesn't matter where you are. God sees you right now. God understands where you are. And I promise you, he sees your current condition. And he sees you different than you see yourself. Ah. Isaiah 55 says, for my thoughts are not your thoughts. 
Nor are your ways my ways, says the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. So in verse 13, Gideon answers the angel and says, if the Lord is with us, why has all this happened? Is that a question that we all ask? Why? What? What's happened? <laughs> why hasn't God done something? We're not, record, we're not filming tonight so I can make those faces. Why hasn't God done something? Seven years of oppression from the Midianites. Sound familiar to anyone here tonight? Sound? Seven years. If the Lord is with me, why has all this happened? Why the sickness? Why did my dad leave us? Why have I suffered? Why have I lost my job? Why have I been treated unfairly? Why, why, why? Gideon was dealing with negative experiences in his life that had clearly gotten in his head. Remember this. Just because bad things happen to you or trouble shows up, you don't have to let it go to your head and you don't have to let it get in your heart. Bad times will happen. It rains on the just and it rains on the unjust. And I've said it all my life. The tide comes in and the tide goes out. The sun comes up and the sun goes down. And I'm declaring to you, it's not always going to be daylight. But I declare that God does his best work in the dark. When you are in your darkest time, God is moving in the darkness and he's going to do something in your life. Oh, somebody say it with me. I trust God with everything I have, no matter where I am, no matter what I'm going through, he's going to find me. He's going to help me. He's going to deliver me. He's going to bring me out because he is my savior. Say it. You need to declare it. Speak it. When times are their worst, you don't have to get discouraged. You don't have to accept defeat. You don't have to let what you don't understand intimidate you and drive you into a place where you question yourself and then you question God and his abilities. You can learn to remain confident and hold on to your faith even when you don't understand. So I'm going to give you three little points and I'm going to hush. I know what quitting time is, and I'll be through at 35 after. That's my quitting time, so don't bail out on me. Balcony, hang in there. You cannot have a positive life with a negative mind. You can't, even if you're a Christian. If you want your life experience to be positive and abundant and joyful and overflowing with peace, if you want to live a successful Christian life, have a great marriage, have a great relationship, overcome adversity, you have to repeatedly, consistently drive out the negative invaders of your mind. Verse 14 of the same chapter, the Lord turned to him and said, go in the strength that you have. I'm not going to pick you up by the hand and say, come with me, little boy. Let's go. Let's go, little child. Come on. He said, go in the strength that you have, your strength, and save Israel out of Midian's hand. Some of you will be tempted to do nothing about the presence of mind invaders in your life because you don't think you can. But the angel said, go in the strength that you have and save yourself and your family. You've been given, folks, strength for this journey. And for this crisis and for this dilemma, for this question, for this battle. And God's telling Gideon, you're stronger than you think you are. You've got strength enough for this. Deuteronomy 33 said, thy shoes shall be iron and brass. Now watch this. And as thy days, everybody say, as thy days, as thy days. 
so shall thy strength be. I used this in a men's Bible study several years ago. I talked to men about this thought. As thy days, so shall thy strength be. In other words, you've got enough strength for this day to fight this battle and go through this trial. Don't worry about strength for tomorrow. Don't worry about strength for the day after tomorrow or all that stuff that it may hold because you do have enough strength for today. Come on now. Your strength is tied to your days. Your strength is tied to right now. And when you go home tonight and lay down and go to sleep and wake up tomorrow, it'll be another day. And as thy days, so shall your strength be then. Because God's going to give you strength for to, oh my goodness. He's going to give you strength for right now. Right now. Right now. Oh, he's a God that goes ahead. And he's a God that comes behind. But he wants you to understand, I got strength for you right now. Mm. Pastor, what about this fact of predisposition? Genetically, Pastor, I'm inclined towards certain tendencies in my life. I, I have some predispositions in my life. Some people have certain personality genes, and I understand that. And some people are predisposed to depression. I understand that. Some people's bodies produce less serotonin, which is that happy gene. Some people just can't get happy. Some people are just more negative because of how they were raised or the environment they were immersed in. I'm a happy person. And I'm a joyful person. You know what the predisposition in my family is? Suicide. Smoke on that a while. There's been suicides in my family. I don't say that, I don't say that boastfully or proudly. But I promise you, I will tell you that that's the predisposition in my family. Here's what I want to say to that. Just because you have a predisposition towards something doesn't mean you're helpless against it in your own life. Predisposition is not a sentence on your life. It's not a life sentence. Consider it a call to battle. Here's what I want to tell you. If I knew I had a predisposition in my gene pool, it would give me all the more reason to stand up to the negative invaders and manage my environment and monitor my relationships and guard my heart. So what your daddy was an alcoholic? So what? So what your daddy was a drug dealer? So what your mother walked the streets? That doesn't mean it has to happen to you. That's just simple teaching, folks. You got to stand up. And as thy days are, so shall thy strength be. You need to get up every day and say, Lord, give us this day our daily bread. And he will give you this day your daily bread. And he will give you strength. You don't have to go down the same path as what your forefathers went down. Come on. Come on. Rebuke those things. Get them out of your life. Number two, you've got to get started now in the strength that you have. Everybody say, get started. Now. 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 Remember the scripture says we demolish arguments. I'm going to say it again. And every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. The scripture is telling us 
to know the word of God well enough to compare what's in your mind with what's in the mind of God. Philippians chapter 2, Paul says it this way, let this mind be in you that was in Christ Jesus. Gideon had arguments and pretensions in his mind, discouraged, defeated, sulking and whining and playing the victim. Why is this happening? What, is supposed to, what am I supposed to do about it? The angel says, you're more powerful than you know. I went to my 50th school reunion, y'all know that, and one of the guys I'd hoped would be there was a boy named Jimmy Crenshaw. Jimmy Crenshaw was my high school hero because he had a guy that picked on him his junior year in school and, and, and whipped him four or five, six times in the gym. Jimmy was a red-headed kid, and he said, you know, people like to pick on a red-headed kid that's not quite big enough. And I wasn't quite big enough. And the first guy I wanted to go over and hug with two hands was Jimmy when I saw him. Because Jimmy rode the bus with me. And when, he got off, when we got off the bus, the last day of school, our junior year, he said, Rex, I'm going to come back next year and I'm going to wear him out. <laughs> I said, Jimmy, don't let your mouth rot a check that your body can't pay for. But when he got on the bus that fall, he had worked for a man and helped move pipe and put pipe in the ground. And he had become hickory nut tough. <laughs> and you had to have a hammer if you were going to eat, eat that. You had to have a hammer to break it because he was bad. And the first day of school, the first day of school. He finds this bully in the hall and says, I'm here for you. I've been whipped by you. God, I love these kind of stories. <laughs> and I saw him and he's 68 and he's still a hickory nut. <laughs> and he said, let's go outside. He didn't even wait for school to be over. I don't mind being late to class. Let's go outside right now. He walked up to him. They went outside and I followed. And I was, I, honestly, I was going to pull this guy off of Jimmy because I knew that Jimmy was barking up the wrong tree again, but he wasn't. He had got himself in shape. Folks, it, I, I don't, I don't want to talk about fighting in church. I don't want to talk about that. But this is a powerful story. It's a great story. Because the devil has been beating some of y'all down because your mind... Just won't stand up to him. And you got some hickory nut tough in you. And God's going to give you strength for today. And you can win against this enemy. And it was, it was so quick. Boom, boom. And the guy was on the ground. And somebody said, get on him, Jimmy. He said, no, 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 get up. Get up. Boom, boom. He's on the ground again. I said, well, my God. I'm telling you, I'm stunned. Five times, maybe six. I lost count. He put him on the ground. And then he stood over him the last time and he said, you'll never pick on me again. And I said, I said, Jimmy, I was gone after our senior year. Did he ever pick on you? He said, he always said, how you doing, Jimmy? How you doing? Good to see you. It's time. 
for the devil to know you're tough enough. It's time for the enemy to know you're tough enough. The Bible said that God gave Adam and Eve dominion over the fowls of the air, the beasts of the field, the fish of the sea. Dominion. That means Adam could have went swimming and Moby Dick would have come up and he said, get out of here, you little minna. Oh, I'm preaching now. I'm preaching now. Can you imagine walking up to Leo the lion in the garden and the lion said, Because Adam had dominion. God wants his church to have dominion. To have dominion. And he wants it right here. It's time for the battleground to eat toward God's side and not the enemy's side. Come on. It's time to understand that you are a mighty man and woman of valor. Stand up to the street that's in you. Verse 16, the Lord said, I will be with you. And you will strike down the Midianites. Oh, I got to hurry. I got to hurry. I got two minutes. I'm not asking you to do this on your own. He said, I'll be with you. But you will strike down your enemies. And I'm going to close with this tonight. The battle for your mind is your battle to win. It's your battle to win. Everybody say, I can win this battle. God is done and will continue to do his part to provide for you, to protect you and strengthen you and empower you and open doors for you, answer prayers for you. But the battle is in your mind is your battle to fight. Amen. It's yours. Everybody say, I can win this. So I'm not going to be conformed to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. That's the only thing he's asked us to renew is our mind. We've got to renew it. We've got to say it every day. Come on. I, I, you're not stuck with old habits of thought. You can learn new habits of thinking. And when you do, you'll change your life for good. Thoughts are like trains. They take you somewhere. I, I was in New York City. I was in New York City several years ago, and I wanted to go to Brooklyn Tab. They, they, had, uh, they had built a, 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 got a new building and was going, moving to a new church. I love Jim Cimbala. And, 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 and so I wanted to go see their new place. So I had, I had some, of the, some staff people with me, and I said, I know how to get there. If, if y'all, if, if y'all knew how bad I was that day. So we got Brooklyn Tab. So we got off on Brooklyn Street. That's not where Brooklyn Tab is. And we started walking. And this guy that I met on the train said, I know, I know, I know where it is. I know where it is. So he said, follow me. So we was following him. And all of a sudden we realized we was going down the street. We didn't want to be down. They may have things down there that would hurt you if it hit, on, it hit you on the head, you know, that kind of stuff. So we kind of turned around. And everybody got tickled. And, of course, I've been, I've been teased from it ever since. But trains, thoughts are like trains. They take you someplace. And if they're going to take you someplace, make sure that you know where they're going to take you. You might get yourself in a situation you don't want to be in in your life. And I declare it to you, negative trains of thoughts cause our lives to end up in places like Lonesomeville and Self-Pity City and Anger Town. Places we don't want to be in, places we don't have to go. Thoughts of worry, created guilt, insecurity, thoughts that bring sadness and sorrow. You don't need to live there. Thoughts that cause suspicion and other motives. Thoughts that bring doubt about God and his word. Thoughts of in, in, inaccurate assumptions. You're, you are tonight where your thoughts have brought you, and you'll be tomorrow where your thoughts will take you, and that's the truth. 
Randy, if you'll help me, I'd, I'd appreciate it. I've preached too long. I've told too many stories. I read recently about a woman in St. Louis who invited a man to come and live in her home, though she was not married to him. It was really an economical arrangement more than anything else, but they were still unmarried and living together. And after a while, her conscience began to bother and she knew that she was doing wrong, and she asked the man to leave, but he refused. He said, I'm not leaving. You invited me here, and I'm not leaving. My clothes are here, my belongings are here, and I'm not leaving. And she said these words, I'm commanding you to leave. And he laughed and said, you can't make me leave, and you can't put me out. And she began to plead with him, but he said, I'm not leaving. He continued to stay. She was so embarrassed, humiliated, convicted that what she had done was wrong by inviting him to come and live in her house, but she didn't know what to do. Finally, she went and talked to Adele Wainwright, a lawyer. And the lawyer sent her to a judge, and the judge issued an injunction that said the man had no legal right and he must move out. And she went back with a legal injunction and showed it to him and said, Now I'm telling you to get out. And the man began to cry and howl and complain and cry fall down on the floor but she just stood her ground her legal ground after a lot of protests he left because he knew he had to go there was an injunction ordered by a judge he had to go listen carefully the devil's just like that there are some of you here tonight who have given a place to the devil and he has come in and gotten some strongholds in your hearts and in your mind and your life. And you have to ask him to leave, but he won't leave. You command him to leave, but he won't leave. You begged him, he wouldn't leave. Well, I'll tell you this. If you'll go to heaven's court, and in the power of the attorney of the Lord Jesus Christ, command him to leave in the name of the Lord, he will not play mind games with you anymore. So remember, we do have weapons. And they are not carnal, but they're powerful, and they can tear down any stronghold, and they can cast down any argument, and they can bring every thought to captivity to the obedience of the Lord Jesus Christ. We have victory in our mind because we have a Christ in our life. Now I'm a little weary. Where's Carlos with some more coffee? I want you to stand to your feet. The, the, the praise singer sang a song that I'd like for us to end with tonight. I talked to Randy about it today, and I, I, I'd like for those that are still remaining to come up here, I, I'd like for them to grab some mics. And, here they come. Here they come. Thank you, guys. Thank you so much. We're going to end on a high here tonight with a, with a beautiful song here. And, and, and we're going to sing, I've seen you move. You moved a mountain. I believe you can do it again. There is a time that you just have to take a stand. I preached a sermon years ago called a settling place, a place to settle up. You need to settle up with the enemy once and for all and say, I don't care what my predispositions are. I don't care what dad, mom, I don't care what my family did. I don't care what's out there. I'm going to live for God. I'm going to win the battle of my mind. Let's sing it. Everybody sing with us. Tonight.